0: This is Women's Leadership Success.com Radio Podcast, episode number 96. Hello, current and future women leaders. Do you ever feel afraid or hesitant to be yourself at work? Would you like to change that? Great! Then you need to listen to this show. We are going to help you use your greatest gifts, strengths, and talents to do the work that energizes you and makes an impact on those around you.
1: Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line.
2: This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio. Today we're talking to Elizabeth B. Crook, who is the CEO of Orchard Advisors. For over 20 years, she has worked with CEOs and business owners of $10 million to $15 million companies. And she has helped them to think and act strategically to grow their bottom line and create strong cultures that fuel continued success. She has a gift for making sense of complex situations and mapping them so creative and practical approaches emerge. She is also the author of Live Large, The Achiever's Guide to What's Next. And before I say something to Elizabeth, I want to tell you that I had um, a backlog of books, had had this one sitting on the shelf, and a few months ago I picked it up and went, oh my gosh, this is one of the best books I've ever read. And ended up calling Elizabeth and asking her to be on the show. And so, welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so pleased to have you here today. Thank you, Sabrina. I'm delighted to be with you. And I, I, you're, before we started the program, we had such a wonderful talk, it, and that doesn't always happen, so I'm talking to a really wonderful woman, and that's a lot of fun. I want to ask you about the, the books that you wrote and the workshops you're doing. What got you in, embarking on this new path?
3: It's interesting, I've been doing strategic planning with companies for over 20 years. And prior to that, I had grown a couple of companies uh, when I lived in Latin America and then had raised venture capital and helped another one grow. But what I found out was people would call me and say, I know you work with companies, but everybody says you're good at helping people figure things out. And indeed I am. So I started working with individuals kind of off the side of my desk. And uh, finally, a mentor of mine said, just write the damn book. <laughs> so I did. And I wrote the book for several reasons. One is I believe so strongly that we all have talents and gifts that we, at some level, are afraid or hesitant to let bloom and shine. And I think this is especially true for women, but not exclusively for women. Uh, Second, I wanted to be able to get that into people's hands so that they could do the work themselves, that they didn't need to be with me. I even created a very amazing discussion guide that people can download for free if they want to form their own group, because I think that we can change the world if all of us are working in that space in ourselves where we are gifted, and where we are energized.
2: Um, I love what you're saying. And th- this is a similar kind of work that I do in companies and also individually. And I'm curious, why do you think people don't tap into more of their talents? Why, why is it that that, you could almost say, lays fallow for so many people?
3: It lays fallow because it's easy for us and because our talent is easy for us. We think it's not valuable. We've all grown up hearing the saying, uh, no pain, no gain. So we think if it's not painful, then there's no gain. But the easier it is, the more effortless it is for you. Many times, that's exactly where your talent is. When I lived in Latin America, I was part of a, I got invited to participate in a a group of intellectuals from the U.S. and from uh, Latin America. And after that, uh, one of the, meetings, the woman who had invited me said, I noticed something very interesting. You've made some incredibly incisive comments, but you preceded everything you said with, I'm probably wrong, but. It was up until that point that in my life, my working theory was either everybody saw it or I was wrong. Instead of saying, you really can see patterns and themes that many times and synthesize what's happening. And that's a real gift for you but it was so easy for me. It was just how I saw the world.
2: It That's, that's such a good point. And, and I'm thinking, I was at a large event this last weekend, and it seems like instead of trying to think what one's talent is, people were trying to figure out what a company wanted or what everybody else wanted from them mm-hmm. and how to kind of fit into that. And um, I love what you're saying. And You have some exercises in the book, but I wonder if you could share something somebody can do to begin to notice what their talents are.
3: Sure. Well, we all have things that we know, you know, content we know. We may be in finance. We may be in real estate. We may be in technology or science, but we also have what I call the know-hows, the processes that we know how to do. I know how to do the process of facilitation. And I can use that skill in all kinds of groups with all kinds of different topics because I deeply know how to do that. And then we can also, so we can go through that exercise. The other thing is write down all the things that you do every day, sort of the tasks and separate them into two piles, which are the ones that energize you, uh, that even though if you're working hard, you're like, yeah, wow, that was great. Or, and the ones that deplete you. That you say, I mean, for me, when I'm facilitating a group, even though my feet get tired from standing all day, I'm energized at the end of the day. But if you tell me to figure out why my my the calendar on my uh, Gmail account is screwed up, I just want to lie down on the floor and cry. So <laughs> once, once you figure out what what is energizing to you and then lay that over your no hows somewhere in there, I'll bet you dollars to donuts is
2: your talent. And do you find that if people follow that, that they can make a good living? I think they can.
3: They can. It's, and it's not just about, you know, do what you love and the money will follow, which people have said, but it takes, there are many things that we love, but are we willing to put the discipline into it to do them at a professional level? And uh, how do we hone that craft? And how do we, you know, when I first started, the first time I facilitated was, oh gosh, 20-something years ago. Now, I could see the patterns. I could write the memo. I could tell them what was going on and what they needed to do. But it took my saying, well, it's not about my wisdom. It's about their wisdom. How do I take my insights and use an inquiry-based, facilitated participatory way to help them see and own and plan and commit and be accountable for it. Mm-hmm. Not to me, but to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that took courses and mentoring and practice and all of that sort of thing. But right. I built it on top of a talent I had, a gift that I had. Does so it makes sense. It it totally does. And
2: and I, I really agree that people have to have the discipline and keep moving forward on that. And what, what, do you, what do you find helps to do that? In other words, you've got this talent and you want to develop it. How do you keep your, your eye on the ball so that you keep doing the things that are going to help you to become an expert or somebody that's worth hiring in that area? Well, one of the things
3: that I do um, in the book is we are where we are for the positive and for the challenging because of where we've come from. And so I have people do two, two exercises, two explorations that look back. One is a retrospective where they look at the things going back to even junior high that were easy and fun for them. And what were the things that were hard and difficult and what did they... What did they believe about themselves back in those days? Mm -hmm. And then I have them do a timeline, a lifeline, really, that looks at events in their lives and the highs and the lows. So that gives them a perspective of, They've always been changing and some were up and down. Some people name those. I've seen people say the wasted years or the lost years or hell and high water or, you know, growing up again or whatever it was or reemergence or the golden years. And so you have this sense that you're at a, you're at a new beginning. We're always at a new beginning if we choose to make it that way. So when we, when we have a sense of ourselves, and then I have another very simple exercise to find your purpose. Do you remember the book Purpose Driven Life? I do. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it because I was afraid I might get mine wrong and then my whole <laughs> life would go down the tube. So, I bet so. you a lot of
2: women are laughing right now or the, and the men that are listening to this. Um, right. The fear of if you, if you embark ahead, what if you do the wrong thing? And
3: then you've ruined your life. Go ahead. Ruined your life. So I just never read it. And so one thing I one thing I have people uh, do is I have them list all of those kinds of jobs, and it can be either paid or unpaid that they really felt engaged by. And then on the other side, across from each one, I say, "What was engaging about it? What did you love about it?" And when you do that, you'll see a theme or a pattern. I mean. When And i put mine in the book. I give lots of examples in the book of every single exploration. There's one that's filled in that, so that you understand what you're trying to accomplish. There's a theme there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it may be, you know, helping people. It may be, in, uh, you'll see the theme. And I tell the story about a woman. She was here in Nashville. And uh, even though I, she and I never worked together, you could see the theme of her life, even from the outside. Uh, which was to help people be informed about issues in their community that affected them. If people have seen the uh, movie Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG, Mm -hmm. the theme of her life shines out. She was so clear and so focused on women and women having a voice. If you see uh, the film on Mr. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? The theme and purpose of his life was there all along. And so we never stop and look at that's been the same, but it's hiding there, right in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things I hear you saying, Elizabeth, is the
2: importance of taking some time, getting away from the kids, the the spouse, the the job, and just giving some reflective time to thinking about who you are and what talents you have and what it is that. You what, what's your purpose? What do you want to make happen in life?
3: Yeah, and it's, it's you know, it can sound so monumental. And what I, wanted, what I discovered having worked with who knows how many people and the, a process kind of emerged over time about what worked is that it's not that complicated, that we really, if somebody can ask us the right questions, we can come up with the answers. We don't need an outside expert. We just need the question. That's that's so beautiful. The
2: the other thing that you talk about in your book is um, limiting beliefs. Can you can you tell us what that means and what we can do about
3: it? Well, it's just one of the most pervasive. Things I call that we all know that we have the voice in the head that says you can't, you shouldn't, you mustn't. It may be your mother's voice or your coach's voice or a teacher's voice, and I call that the triple J, which stands for the jury, judge, and jailer, which oh. pronounces you either guilty or innocent, uh, passes sentences, and then locks you up. And um, one of the ways I work with my triple J because You're never going to get rid of the Triple J, and I've done 5,000 years of therapy, so stop thinking that you can (laughs) shut up the voice. Um, You can't, but what you can do is make it very conscious to yourself, and sometimes I'll just write it out, you know, say, you know, what is this saying? And then for my most secure, confident adult place, I'll say, what part of this is true? And what part of it? Yeah, well, that's probably not true because there's some beliefs that we are taught. So I'll give you some examples. Um, I, have, uh, I run into this fairly frequently in uh, very driven uh, CEOs is uh, a man, he was brilliant and he was controlling to the nth degree. And I said, was there alcohol or was there addiction or mental health uh, issues in your family? And he said, how did you know? He said, My mother was certifiably crazy and in fact still is. And it's she's very unpredictable. And I said, So when you were a kid, in order to be safe, you had to control everything. And he said, That's true, because she could turn on a dime and become abusive and violent.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so what he has done is overgeneralize what kept him safe as a child, and now he's a grown man with big muscles and a six pack and a successful company, Mm -hmm. but he's still controlling everything because that, that small child part of him feels in danger unless he's in control, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, so the persistence of something that made sense at one time, but no longer makes sense is one kind of limiting belief. Uh, Another one is what I call a false equivalence. Um, I work with a a client and who has a toxic employee. And so we've talked about, you know, when are you going to be ready to do something about this? And he said, well, I'm afraid that uh, people will think I'm being unfair. Mm-hmm. Okay. So fairness is a huge thing in his set of values. Uh huh. What, but what he's failing to see is that, so if I fire her, I'm being unfair. So he has made things equivalent that aren't equivalent. And he's blocking out that if I don't fire her, I'm being unfair to all the rest of my employees. So in working with someone like that, it's helping them understand where the real unfairness is.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And also helping them understand that you are a fair person, but you're seeing things as either or. I'm either fair or unfair. Instead of saying on one extreme end, uh, is unfair, and on the other extreme, man is is uh is giving in to everything, and that he's you have a long distance to go, but we experience it as we're only one step away from being bad
2: mm-hmm. so you you really you get people to examine these beliefs or things that that these limitations that they have. And really, look and see if they are true or not,
3: yes, because they may have been true they may have been true at one point, but are no longer true, or they may have been true for somebody else, but aren't true for you, exactly, like your
2: mother or your coach, like you said, a bunch of different people. yeah, I told a
3: story in the book about a uh somebody I worked with who had come up with this brilliant idea. Uh, she was not. She was a technical person, uh, really a scientist, and could never find people to partner with. And we talked about that, and, and she said, yeah, my father got really taken advantage of by those kind of big, shiny player people, and I'm never going to let that happen to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he had eliminated the very possibility that, she had eliminated the very possibility that would have allowed her to be successful because her father- Had had this experience.
2: Uh huh.
3: So it's overgeneralization of one thing of some experience. Um, That that's so so
2: such good advice. You know, Elizabeth. Before we got on the line, you mentioned that your uh, the love of your life, your husband, had passed away. Was it this last March?
3: Yes, it was. It was March of seventeen.
2: March of seventeen. I'm so sorry. And I'm I'm wondering. I would like, if you'd be willing to, if you're okay with sharing a little bit about that, because I think, you know, when we're working in companies, when we're leading, when we're living our lives, things, people that we care about pass away and people don't really know how to, how to, um, how to go ahead with their lives or how to express their grief. Mm -hmm. Would you mind sharing some of your well, ideas on this and
3: your thoughts? Sure. I think we all express grief in different ways. And uh, for me, I was back leading re- planning retreats when he'd been gone less than a month. That didn't mean I didn't stop and cry and wail and lie on the floor and tick and scream because I did, but I just kept pushing. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until almost a year after he was gone that. I finally just needed to sleep, you know, nine to ten hours a night, that I needed to cancel things that I had committed to, that I needed to take a breath. Writing is a great release for me. Uh-huh. And so I have done a lot of writing. Uh, uh, getting One of the things I found was, and people have laughed about it, I said, I want a male massage therapist so I can have my body touched by a man in a way that doesn't compromise me to anything, doesn't commit me to anything. <laughs> yeah. So, how, do you, um, how about the, the sharing of that with people around
2: you? So, you know, um, you mentioned that you went to a
3: conference. Yes. Uh, can you share that story? Sure. I, had, I was speaking to a, uh, a growth summit and there were close to a thousand business owners and they're all striving to sell their company for a gazillion dollars. And there were two guys up on the stage talking about how they sold their companies for a gazillion dollars. And now they realize how important their families were in their communities and all of that. And I was supposed to talk about how we outgrow things in our companies. And I got up and I said, and my talk was the power of knowing and growing yourself. And I said, I was going to talk about outgrowing things in your companies, but I realized I'd outgrown the talk I was going to give you. I said, we've heard people who are justifiably proud of what they've accomplished in business and how they've realized the value of things that they, hadn't, that they had dismissed. And I said, my husband died three months ago. And I'm telling you, don't wait. Don't postpone joy. Don't postpone love. Because one of Umberto's favorite sayings was, this is no dress rehearsal. So, find a way to participate in the liveliness and lightness and passion with the people and the causes and the things you care about beginning now. Don't wait until you've sold your company for a gazillion dollars because, number one, that may never happen. Number two, you may not be alive when it does happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Number three,
3: the people you care most about may not be alive. So,
2: do it now. Oh, I just have goosebumps. It's It's just such an important thing. For us all to keep in mind and remember.
3: And it's hard to do because there's so many calls on our time and attention. I really get that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And how, did, how does
2: one keep remembering that when you're being pulled in 100 directions?
3: Well, one of the things that I have uh, people do in exploration in the book is I have them do a bullseye. I have them look at what are the roles they play in their lives not just as a as a business professional but it may be as a community activist or an artist or an athlete or as a spiritual being or a social being or whatever and then if you look out you know 5 years or 3 years say what do you want to be in relationship to this role what do you want to accomplish what mm-hmm. do you want to have and what's the impact you want to have or the legacy what do you want to see differently and if you pull that out and then I have people actually, you know, how do you take that into, into action? But if you pull that out and look at it and say, am I doing that? Too often we say, oh, boy, I just wrote a, a blog. I do a blog at ElizabethBCrook.com. Mm-hmm. And I wrote something uh, sort of riffing off a Wall Street Journal piece that it's time to outgrow our bucket list. Mm-hmm. And so don't put off those things. Say, what part of that can I do now?
2: I think that's that's wonderful advice, and we're just about out of time is there is, is
3: there anything else you want to say that well, I just love what you're doing. I think women's leadership is hugely important in our companies in our families, and in our world. uh women are deep contextual decision makers there's been a lot of research on that i brain hemispheres are organized differently, Mm -hmm. and I think that in a world where we have complexity and diversity, you know, don't be timid. I grew up, you know, pre. I grew up in the Mad Men era. My first job in New York was like at a Mad Men ad agency, And, um, (laughs) and just, you know, support yourself and support other women. Ask the questions. Step into your own leadership and download things and bring Sabrina in to work with you and your team.
2: <laughs> and bring Elizabeth in too. And uh, Elizabeth's book, Live Large, The Achiever's Guide to What's Next, Elizabeth Crook. It's absolutely wonderful book. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for taking this time to talk to us today.
3: Thanks, Sabrina, for asking me. Okay.
0: I appreciate you listening today. And I want to ask you two quick questions. The first question is, do you have false beliefs or resistance that may be holding you back in your career or business? You are not alone if you do. And here's my gift to you. Join me in my next free webinar, November 8th, where you will learn how to activate your leadership building superpowers. We'll address five top false beliefs many women have and what you can do to change them. Just sign up on the right-hand sidebar of womensleadershipsuccess.com. My second question is, are you highly motivated? Do you want to accelerate your career in leadership now? Then one-on-one coaching with me is your best choice. I will help you explore the possibilities of who you can become and how to determine your path to a new, exciting, and profitable future. Contact me at sabrina at sabrinabraum.com. That's sabrina, B-R-A-H-A-M dot com. sabrina at com. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.